All right. Are you ready to get into the Word today? Come on. Amen. Amen. Get your Bibles out if you've got them. Pastor Chris just got back from youth camp. He said to tell you that deodorant trick did not work. So just you can scratch that one off the list if you were thinking, thinking about that. Didn't help a bit. We're talking about life hacks. And uh, in case you've missed the series for the first few weeks, that's okay. You can jump right in with us. Uh, let me give you a couple of life hacks that uh, may or may not help you out. Um, if you're a, a new parent and it's time to clean the house, maybe this one would help you out. You, you could get um, a onesie like this for your little one while they're learning how to crawl, just clean up the floors. That, that, might, that might be a time saver right there. I recommend that one. Uh, how, how about this life hack? This, this is a good one here. If you laugh together at least 10 minutes a day, your relationship has a 75% higher chance of lasting. So there you go. And for all the couples, let me just emphasize laugh together with them, not at them. It, it doesn't work if you spend 75% more time laughing at them. So one more. Let me give you a life hack. May or may not help you out. There. Now someone is clearly a genius. I don't know if you can see that is a yard rake, instant s'mores factory. Yeah, just make sure it's not a plastic rake, all right? That probably not a good idea. Did you find Proverbs yet? Book of Proverbs. I want to talk about some life hacks. These life hacks, these words of wisdom help us to execute heaven's playbook in the earth. That's what we're trying to do here. God has a plan and a purpose for our life, and we want to execute that plan according to his playbook from heaven on the earth. And one of the ways that we're fleshing this thing out as a church family, and I want to invite you into this, even if you haven't so far done this, we are reading one chapter of Proverbs every day for the month of July. So today's the 12th, so you'd read Proverbs chapter 12. And we're just walking through the Word of God in our own personal devotion life. And then the challenge is to take it beyond that, and to not just read it, but when you read it, to say, God, speak a word to me today. Give me just a nugget of truth, a life hack that can help me. And then I want to encourage you to go another step and share it. Many of you have been sharing online your, your life hacks challenge each day, just the word that stood out to you out of God's word. And so we're walking through that together. And the reason we're doing it is because God wants to give us wisdom, but to, get with, to have wisdom, you got to get wisdom. How many of you remember what Proverbs 4, 7 said? It said, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. If you're going to get wisdom, you got to open up the word. You have to go after it. You have to pursue it. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. So we're trying to get wisdom this summer. Now, before I get into the topic I want to talk about today, I felt impressed with the Holy Spirit to just communicate an, an overarching principle about Proverbs. If you've been reading through it with us, you need to understand something about this book. Proverbs are probabilities. They're not promises. That's a really important distinction. Proverbs are probabilities. They're not promises. In other words, they are principles of God's word, but they are not the precepts of God's word. The precepts are very clear. Thou shalt not commit adultery. How many of you know no wiggle room on that one, right? No wiggle room on that one. Very clear precept. But the principles have to be lived out and understood in the context of your life. So what Proverbs does 
is it says essentially if you follow these instructions, if you obey these commands, if you do these things, this is most likely how things are going to work out in your life. But understand, they are not a guarantee for success. And I believe somebody needs to hear that because it was a long time before I understood that about Proverbs. And I don't say that to to diminish the value of them. I'm preaching on them all month. I say it to encourage you in your faith because here's what's going to happen. If you don't understand that Proverbs are not a guarantee for success, then you're going to come into one of the exceptions to the probabilities. And if you think it's a promise and a guarantee, you're going to be frustrated in your faith. Let me explain what I mean. Let me give you one. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 27 Here's what it says. The fear of the Lord adds length to life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. Now, that's a great principle. And I do believe, and I've said it in this series, that that the wisdom of God not only adds uh, years to your life, but it adds life to your years. It's a blessing to walk in wisdom. But how many of you knew a person that was good, even godly, that died young? How many of you know of an innocent child that died? So you understand there are exceptions to that truth. Let me give you one more. I've known a lot of parents that have lived under a heavy rock of condemnation because they didn't understand this is a principle and not a promise. It's not a guarantee for success, though it is a good word. Proverbs 22 verse 6 says this, start children off on the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. That's a good word. I live by that word. We're raising our daughters because we believe that if we teach them the word, if we bring them to church faithfully, if we pray with our family, we don't just serve Jesus on Sunday from 11 to 12. We serve Jesus every day of the week. We believe they're going to grow up and they're going to have a firm foundation and they're not going to depart from it. But how many of you know that Some parents have done all the steps, given it their best, but you can have a prodigal son or a daughter that has to make their own decision to have a relationship with Christ, and they can turn, and they can rebel against God. You've seen that before? So you understand, if if we don't recognize these are principles in God's word, and they are probabilities, but not a guarantee for success, not a promise, then what can happen is we can begin to live under a heavy weight of condemnation if things don't go out just the way we thought it was supposed to. If you want to read about the exceptions to the rules, don't read Proverbs. Read the other two wisdom books. Read Ecclesiastes. Read Job. Because you find the exceptions to the rules in those books. I just felt the need in the middle of this series as we're reading through that book to clarify because now we're past Proverbs chapter 10, and we're getting into all these little nuggets of truth, and they're awesome, but you just got to know what they are. They're principles for your life. Now, let me get into today's topic, because we've talked about a lot of stuff in Proverbs. We've talked about wisdom, of course. We've talked about our ways. We're going to talk about wealth. We're going to talk about work. But today, I want to speak about wise words. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about our words words that we speak. I had a conversation with somebody recently that really just kind of made this uh, clear to me again. We were were having a conversation about the church, and they said to me, and this is the paraphrase, but essentially they said, you're not Pentecostal enough. I was like, man, 
that kind of stung a little, but I, I listened and we had a great conversation. And what I realized is, and I've realized this in multiple occasions, that there's a difference between Pentecost or being Pentecostal and Pentecostalism. And so what the conversation was about really was not about being Pentecostal. Being Pentecostal means being full of the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit to go and preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. The whole book of Acts talks about a Pentecostal Spirit-filled church. Pentecostalism is really more about the way that we respond to what the Holy Spirit is doing. And, and, and that can take all kinds of different varying shapes and forms. For example, uh, one one's sect, if I can say it that way, of Pentecostalism believes that women should not wear shorts or pants. And so because they're quote unquote Pentecostal, floor length skirts, that's the requirement. Floor length skirts and, you know, maybe keep your head covered. And so you have to wear a tight bun on your head. And, and, and that, that's the rule. In fact, the church I was on staff at in Texas, we had a church like that right down the street from us. And uh, that was just one of the things they viewed. There, there are other, quote, Pentecostals, and in their Pentecostalism, they actually handle snakes in their worship services. And, and they do it because Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, uh, in the Great Commission, you know, it says, Jesus said that you will take up deadly serpents, and you will drink poison, and you will not be harmed by it. And they take that to mean that it would honor the Lord for us to hold venomous snakes in worship. To me, that's not Pentecostalism, that's stupidism right there. That's, that's just not wise. But how many of you have heard the adage before, actions speak louder than words? And, and so I, I decided today to make an exception. I, I'm going to do something that I, typic, I wouldn't typically do this, um, never done this before. But I brought something with me, and it's been underneath this table the whole time. And I'm going to pull something out today to illustrate this, this point. And it went fine in the first service, so I didn't honestly think I'd be nervous right now, but I'm nervous a little bit. But I, I'm going to pull this out because I, I want, I just want, I want to illustrate the point a little bit for you today. And So, now I will say, I didn't, I didn't bring a venomous snake. Well, I didn't bring a venomous snake um, to illustrate this point, but I, I, did, I did bring the most venomous animal I could get for this weekend, and so I'm just going to bring this out because I want to illustrate a point today of what the Bible says about venomous things. The Bible says the most venomous thing is the tongue. Yeah, come to the men's breakfast, guys. It's going to be in the crock pot Saturday. In fact, I want to show you a verse of Scripture in James chapter 3. James says this about the tongue. He said, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures 
are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is full of restless evil, full of deadly poison, it says. While with the tongue, we praise our Lord and our Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can I get an amen to that last part? He said, this should not be. Now, I didn't bring a tongue to make any point whatsoever about Pentecostalism. I actually just brought the tongue to make this point, that words are powerful. Words are powerful. James goes on, and I love the book of James. James is like the Proverbs of the New Testament, because he just gives these little one-liners that are just zingers, and you're like, oh, that's so good. James James talks about the tongue, and he gives a couple other analogies. He says that the tongue is like the rudder of a ship, and though it's small, you can turn the whole ship with the rudder. He says that the tongue is like a spark that can set the whole forest on fire. Now, I apologize for bringing this snake illustration (laughs) of a tongue, but I couldn't fit the boat in the door, and I didn't want to burn the church down, so I went with the snake one. But James says the tongue is powerful. How many of you have ever heard the statement, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me, right? How many of you have lived long enough to know that that's not true? Words can hurt you. How many of you would like me to put this thing away? Yeah, okay, I I thought so. Some of you have broke eye contact. And let me just say, I am equipped with hand sanitizer in this season, and I will unapologetically use every bit of it because that thing is gross. Yeah, if you want to cook that for us later, I... I will not be at that breakfast. I appreciate that, Tony. But uh, I'm going to just put that back in the box. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Do you know what Proverbs says about that? Proverbs actually gives us a different truth. Proverbs says in chapter 25, verse 15, through patience, a ruler can be persuaded and a gentle tongue can break a bone. It says the very opposite. A gentle tongue can break a bone. Now, if a gentle tongue can break a bone, what can a hateful tongue do? What can a malicious tongue do? What what can a, a, a critical or a spiteful or a gossiping tongue do? I'll tell you what it can do. It can divide a nation, can it? It, it can it can divide a church. It can rip a family apart at the seams. It can end a marriage. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, 28, that close friends are separated by gossip. A tongue and a word can can separate the closest of friends. And maybe the most powerful and concise statement about our words in all of the book of Proverbs is found in chapter 18. Verse 21 says this, or 20, 
Yes, 21. It says, the tongue has the power of life and death. What's more powerful than life and death? I mean, Jesus said, John 14, 6, I am the life. And death is called the last enemy to be defeated. And so the greatest victor and the last enemy, the last foe to be defeated, that's the spectrum. And Solomon says the power of those two things, of life and of death, are in the tongue. It's not enough today that we understand that words are powerful. What I want you to understand is that your words are powerful, that my words are powerful. And and they're powerful for several reasons. Number one, they're powerful because words are revealing. Words are revealing. I mean, if, if if I wanted to take a drink out of this canteen today, I, I would do it without reservation because I filled it, because I know what's in it. But if you were thirsty and lost in the woods and you came across this canteen, how many of you think you, you might want to know what's in it before you just started chugging it? You, you'd want to you'd see if it passed the sniff test. You, you might try to look down there and see if you could see it. And if you couldn't tell, you might even turn it sideways and, and pour a little bit out and, until you know it's, it's worth drinking. Did you know the Bible says that's the way our words are? Our words, they come out of our mouth and they reveal what's inside. Your words reveal what's inside. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 15 in verse 2, the tongue of the wise adorns or dispenses knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. Jesus said it like this very clearly. He said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's in your heart comes out in your life. Your words are revealing, and that ought to matter to us because we as believers make this profession. Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. Jesus lives in my heart. And so if Jesus lives in your heart, how many of you know that he ought to come out in your conversation? He ought to come out of your mouth every once in a while. And what was Jesus full of? The Bible tells us in John chapter 1, verse 14, that he was full of grace and truth. He was full of grace and truth. Go to the second half of that verse. Grace and truth. And so if we're going to be full of Christ, we got to be full of grace and truth. And can I just encourage all of us, church, that our conversation and our conduct It's so important because the world will read Christians way more than they'll read the Bible. So it's not, it's not thus saith the Lord. It's what are you saying? It's what am I saying? Because they're not reading his word. They're reading his people. The story that we're seeing in our world is, is a story of malice. It's a story of hatred. It's a story of accusation. It's a story of controversy. How many of you know our story is a little different? Our story is a grace story. And if we're going to be full of Christ and what's in us is going to be revealed, then number two, not only are our words revealing, our words need to be gracious. We ought to speak with gracious words. I, I, I love this 
this word in Colossians chapter four. Paul is writing to the church and he says this. He says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Am I the only one in 2020 that struggled to know how to answer everyone? <laughs> I'm not alone in that, am I? I mean, it's been, it's been difficult sometimes to know how to answer everyone. And he says, you know what you ought to do? Let your words be full of grace. Let them be seasoned with salt. In other words, let your words be tasty. Let your words be palatable and tasteful to people. It says in Proverbs 16, 24, it's another one of those beautiful word pictures. It says, gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Gracious words are a honeycomb. You know, uh, honey adds vitality. There's a story. We won't turn there, but in 1 Samuel chapter 14, King Saul's son, he, he goes up, Jonathan goes up with just his armor bearer to a Philistine outpost, and he defeats the whole outpost with just two men and one sword. And afterwards, he comes back down, and all the people of God are walking through the woods together, and he's famished. And so he takes the end of his staff, and he sticks it in a honeycomb, and he eats some of it, and the Bible says when Jonathan ate the honey from the honeycomb, he was refreshed, and his eyes were brightened. That's, that's what honey can do for you physically. And so Solomon has this picture in his mind when he says, gracious words are a honeycomb. They're sweet to the soul. That means words cut deep. Can I get a witness? Words cut deep. They they're sweet to the soul, he says. And he said they're healing to the bones. Did you know that your words can have a physical impact? They are just words, but physical impact. That's why, we have, that's why we have terms like verbal abuse. Because you can impact a person. That's why we've seen in our day and age students that have committed suicide because of cyberbullying. Nobody physically harmed them, but they were emotionally so beaten down and battered that they harmed themselves or at worst took their own life. Why? Because words can have a physical impact on our lives. I mean, how many times has words caused a stomach ulcer for somebody? But this psalm, this proverb rather, says gracious words can bring healing. They can bring healing to your bones. Your words, they're more powerful than you know. I had another conversation recently with someone, and uh, he was in the first service. Kevin Hake stopped by the church uh, several days ago. He just said, I was out taking a walk, and I felt impressed of the Lord to come and pray for my pastors. So he said, can I come by? So he did. He came by, and Pastor Chris and I sat down with him. And he said, I, I just felt impressed with the Lord to pray for you. Now, here's what didn't happen. Kevin didn't show up and say, you know, God gave me a vision and I have a revelation to give you, you know, about what to do next or what the next year is going to look like. There was none of that. He just came to pray for us. But when he spoke, his words were gracious, like honey from the honeycomb. And, and you know what? When he left, my eyes were brightened. My, my countenance was lifted. My spirit was refreshed. And, and Paul said, I'm going to say it again, our conversation should be 
full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that we know how to answer when we talk to people. Now, let me just say this, though, that grace-filled words are not always cheerful, but they are always truthful. Because what did it say in John 1.14? Jesus was full of grace and truth. Number three, our words not only are revealing, they're not only gracious, but our words are truthful. And can I just say, sometimes the most grace-filled words are hard truths. Just because it's hard to hear doesn't mean it's not true, amen? Come on, any parents here that you had to, you had to tell your son or daughter, like, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. And your parents told you that when you were a kid and you thought they were lying. <laughs> but now you're having to tell your son or daughter something you really don't want to tell them, but you need to tell them because it's a hard truth and you found yourself saying the same thing. It's going to hurt me more than it hurts you. Sometimes our grace-filled words are not easy words. They're not cheerful words. The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 5. It says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Now listen, nobody likes open rebuke. Nobody wants to be embarrassed. Nobody wants to be called out. But Solomon is saying, at least if you're openly rebuked, you can learn from that. There is, he's saying there's no benefit to hidden love. He's not saying you should openly rebuke people. He's saying at least there's something you can learn from that. Hidden love, unexpressed love, somebody that's not willing to tell you the truth, it, it does you no good. He goes on in the next verse to say this, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Listen, I hope when you hear me preaching the word of God to you, I hope you hear me as a trusted friend. I hope I'm not just someone up here that's just telling you what you want to hear because that's not my intention. My goal is not to just tell you something to make you have a good week and get you through tomorrow. I want to tell you the truth. And sometimes the truth is hard, but a hard truth from a trusted friend can be accepted. And can I just say that the best truth and the most appropriate truth that we could ever share is the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know what? This gospel is... Yes, it's cheerful, but before it's cheerful, it's a chastisement. That's right. Before the gospel is an invitation, it's an indictment. Because before you can receive Jesus as Savior, you got to recognize you're a sinner. And so before the Bible becomes good news, it becomes a reality of your bad situation. And that's not always easy to tell people. It's not always easy to say, you need to change your life. You need to repent. You need to turn back to God. You need to ask God to forgive you because you are a sinner. And the Bible says in Romans 3, the wages of sin is death. And so, yes, it's good news. But before it's cheerful news, it is a chastisement. But we got to be willing to share the good news. Can I just encourage all of us a life hack for you? Don't be one of those Christians that say, well, I just, I just let my lifestyle be my witness. Don't do that, because the Bible doesn't say that I am not ashamed of kindness, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Kindness never saved anybody. Good deeds never saved anybody. Romans 1.16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Amen? The gospel is the power of God unto salvation, so we can't be ashamed to speak the truth of the gospel. Yesterday was the 11th, and so 
I was reading Proverbs 11 like many of you, and here, here was my life hack yesterday. Proverbs 11 verse 30 says, whoever wins souls is wise. There's a life hack for you. It's always wise to be a witness. That we speak words that are, yes, full of grace, but words that are full of truth. Now, now, before we get out of here and off this topic, I, I want to say a couple more things about our words. How many of you know timing and tone matter? Not just what you say, but how you say it. Not just how you say it, but when you say it. You know, Solomon offers a lot of wisdom for us. How many of you are morning people? You're, you're a morning person. You're up with the birds. You, you wake up singing. Yeah. How many of you are night owls? Can I get a witness? My, both hands are up. Yeah. Anybody a night owl? If you're a night owl, you're probably going to want to highlight this one in your Bible, okay? This is our verse. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 14. Anyone... If anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. How many of y'all know that's the truth? Come on. Listen, I'm a preacher, so my Saturday is Monday. I love you, but don't greet me loudly on Monday morning. I'm not awake yet. He said, even if it's a blessing, when you do it in the wrong time, it's taken as a curse. How many of you understand the right word at the wrong time is the wrong word? Timing matters. Have you ever been going through something really tough? Maybe you, maybe you lost a loved one and you're grieving. And I mean, I mean, it's just so fresh. It just happened. I mean, it's just, you're, you're just not even, you haven't even come to terms with your emotions. And then some well-intentioned believer comes up to you and they, they just kind of give you one of these trite, Christianese-sounding statements. You know, you're right there. I mean, your heart's on the floor. And they're like, God's going to turn it for your good. And you're like, you know what I mean? You're not ready for that. All things work together. I mean, you're standing there like, you, you know, you, your life is in shambles. You know, maybe someone you love just died or, or your marriage is on the rocks. And they go, you know, all things work together for the good. Man, get out of here with that. Now, that, that's, the, that's not the edited version. You know what you really do. You go, oh, thank you. God bless you. Thank you, sister. Yep. Yes, it is. I know. God is good. God. But on the inside, you go, man, get out of my face with that. All things work together for the good. My heart's on the floor right now. What, what is, it's, it's, it might be true. It might be right. But man, the timing is all wrong. I, I love this proverb. Chapter 25, verse 20 says, like one who takes away a garment on a cold day. Or like vinegar poured on a wound is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. That, that's what that illustrates. It's not that the song's not good. It's not that it's not a great song to sing, but it's the wrong time. Don't come in shouting the goodness of God when the Bible says we should mourn with those who mourn. There's a time to share the right word. And tone matters. How you say something makes all the difference, doesn't it? Like, like, for example, it would sound like one thing to say, I'd really appreciate it if someone would take out the trash. 
Or if you said, I'd really appreciate it if someone would take out the trash, kind of a different thing. It kind of feels different. You know, or saying, I love you too, or I love you too. Like, this doesn't quite land the same way, right? Because tone matters. Let me give you one of my lifelong proverbs. And it's lifelong because my mom made me memorize it as a kid because I was not good at this one. Proverbs 15.1. It's highlighted in my King James Bible that they gave me for my 12th birthday. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I don't know about you, but one of my spiritual gifts is sarcasm. Now, that's not really a spiritual gift, but I do thrive in the gift of sarcasm. And man, especially with my brothers, I had a sharp tongue, a quick comeback. I will have the last word. And, and, and my mom used to always drill this into me. She'd make me repeat it. Aaron, Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath. In other words, this doesn't have to escalate. It doesn't have to end in a screaming match. You are making it go that way. A soft answer turns away wrath. Harsh words stir up anger every single time. And Solomon speaks so much about how to just diffuse a quarrel. In fact, well, let me give you, let me give you one. It's, just, it's funny. I won't comment too much because I don't want to get in trouble, but here it is. Proverbs chapter 27, you'll understand. Verse 15, a quarrelsome wife is like a dripping of a leaky roof in a rainstorm. I didn't write it. Wait, wait. Hear the rest of it. Hear the rest of it. Restraining her is like restraining the wind or grasping oil with the hand. Now, honestly... Solomon has five verses in Proverbs about how to deal with a quarrelsome wife. So here's a life hack for the guys. If you're doing the life hack challenge and every day you're posting a verse that ministered to you, do not post those verses, okay? That's, that's your life hack. I mean, you're going to come across it in chapter 27, chapter 19, 21, 25. Pick a different verse, guys. Pick a different verse because... You might, if you post that one, you're going to find out later on the internet, you have a quarrelsome wife. And don't at me when that happens. It's like, it's like the, uh, it's like the guy who was asked one time, he said, do you mind your wife having the last word? And he said, not at all. I'm actually thrilled when she gets to it. Like, just, just, let's go. I'm going to get myself in trouble. I got to. Or it's like the preacher who went to visit a family where the dad had just died. And, and he asked the little boy, he said, did your dad have any last words? And the little boy looked at him. He said, nope, mom was by his side the whole time, right to the end. <laughs> he didn't get a word in. What, what I'm trying to say to us today is that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if we are the people of God and Christ is in our heart, then he's full of grace and truth. Then grace and truth should be what flows out of our lives. And let's not pollute the waters 
with the wrong tone or the wrong timing. First, a word can be right, but it can be in the wrong season. It can be the wrong time. And, and, and Solomon's father, David, understood this. Solomon's father, David, had a, an understanding of the, the correlation between the words that came out of his mouth and the things that were in his heart. That's why he, he was confident when he prayed this to the Lord in Psalm chapter 17. He's speaking to the Lord in verse 3. He said, though you probe my heart, though you examine me at night and you test me, you will find that I have planned no evil. My mouth has not transgressed. David was saying, I'm confident that when you look at my heart, you're not going to find evil. Why? Because I have committed to not sin with my words. Because I know I've kept my mouth in check and that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, I have confidence that God, when you, when you test me, when you see what's on the inside, you're going to see that my heart is pure. And David prayed an incredible prayer in Psalm 19. And in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to pray it with me. He prayed a prayer that just invited the Lord to meet him in this moment and to keep his witness, his conversation in check. Let's read it before we pray it. Psalm chapter 19, verse 14, it says this. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You know, I, I started out joking about Pentecost. This isn't really a, a message about Pentecostalism at all, but you can't overlook the reality that the Pentecostal experience of the church is directly tied to our conversation. I mean, Acts chapter 2, verse 4, which we often quote when we talk about Pentecost, says this. It says, all of them, everyone there in the upper room, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So the initial physical evidence of being filled with the Spirit of God is that what James said is the most unruly, untamable beast, that thing, your tongue, becomes submitted and yielded to the Lordship of Christ. What a powerful outward sign. There's, there's nothing greater that could happen outwardly and physically to demonstrate my life is completely yielded and submitted to the Lord. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke with other tongues. But I want to give you another Pentecostal text, and I believe this is equally as Pentecostal a text as Acts 2.4. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Verse 1, and Paul writes, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. I believe that verse is an accurate verse of what a Pentecostal believer, a spirit-filled, spirit-empowered Christian ought to look like. And what I want to say is this, if, if you don't have a 1 Corinthians 13 experience 
where the words that come out of your life are words filled with love and grace and truth. If you don't have a 1 Corinthians 13 experience, then your Acts 2 is broken. That's what Paul's saying. He said, it doesn't matter what Pentecostal experience I have if the, if the outflow of my life is not the fruit of that spirit, if it's not love, if it's not representative of the spirit that dwells in us. He's saying, you can't claim to, to speak in the power of the spirit in your prayer language and then speak by another spirit in your conversation. And this year, my goodness, this year, I can't imagine a Christian in our culture that hasn't been challenged a time or two to kind of fight the flesh and, and control that wild beast. I, I'm speaking to every, every one of us today to recognize that our conversation, it matters so much because people are reading us before they ever read this book. So I want to pray together this prayer in Psalm 19. I want to invite you to stand with me if you're able. If you're online, I want you to join in with us. We're going to put it on your screen. We're going to pray this to the Lord. Psalm chapter 19, verse 14. Let's say it out loud together. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Come on, one more time. Let's just say it to the Lord this time. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. God, I pray today for the church of Jesus Christ that, Lord, we who claim to have your spirit living in us, God, may the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be pleasing to you. God, let our words be seasoned with salt. Let our words be full of grace. May they bring refreshing to others' souls, healing to their bones, light to their eyes. God, let the way that we communicate draw people in to the living water that dwells in us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for putting a watch, a restraint even, over our hearts. As Solomon said in Proverbs 4, above all else, guard your heart. For out of it flows the issues of life. God, help us to guard our hearts. If there's anyone that's here today, just keep your head bowed with me for a moment. If you're here today and you've never accepted the hard truth that you are a sinner and that Jesus is the life, he's the way, he's the truth, he's the only way to get to God. I need you to hear me today. Hear this preacher. My intent is not to give you a bunch of self-help tips. My heart in this sermon series is not to give you little hacks to improve your life, to make you a better person, because the gospel message is this. The wages of sin is death, and the gift of God is not words of wisdom. No, the gift of God is eternal life 
through Jesus Christ, our Lord. If you don't know him as Lord, can I implore you right now to call on him? Just tell him, Jesus, I, I repent. Jesus, I, I'm sorry. Jesus, I need your grace. And it's a hard truth, but it's good news. Because the word of the Lord says to you and to me today, that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, let this be your moment from your heart right now to say, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my life. God, for those of us who are saved, those of us who profess that Christ lives in us, the hope of glory, God, help us to be full today of what you're full of, full of grace, full of truth. Give us wisdom to walk it out in our generation. In Jesus' name, in all God's people, said amen. Come on, amen. Can we give God praise today for his word? Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Amen. Amen. Amen.